morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to this iteration of Faster Than a Stand-Up. I'm Brent Lamont. I'm Mark Herbal. So we were going to talk about short questions with long answers, but Mark and I figured out that we had too many long answers for short questions. So we're going to change it up a little bit, and we'll do that probably episode 30. So Mark, you wanted to talk about patterns in burndowns, and I think this is a great topic. Yeah, specifically, a couple of us got together, Brent, uh, Patrick, I think one or two others, because we started thinking, is there a way for people who are going to become Scrum Masters to look at a burndown chart and kind of do a pattern matching that says, I've seen this before, it means this, I've seen that, it means that. Um, so can we take a bunch of uh, real world examples of burndown charts that aren't right and then help people understand that, you know, generally this is the direction it's going. And as we started looking at it, and I kind of intuitively was thinking, I already knew the answer, you can't. A number of dysfunctional things that are different will show up as a similar burn down. I had been saying for a while, generally charts tell you the questions to ask, not give you the answers you need. And that was starting to, you know, be pretty obvious in this exercise. So then the next question was, what is it that causes uh, burn downs to look wrong? And so we just threw out ideas for, I don't know, an hour or two, and then started realizing they were kind of aggregating into a couple of piles, eventually came up with three fundamental things that group all of those dysfunctions. So we have the list, and I don't know how you want to handle this, Brent, in terms of reading it I think out. We just, nope, I think we just talk, talk about certain topics, right? Because those people who are listening as opposed to watching, they're not going to necessarily have a, you know, a something to pull up. So I think we talk about the first topic first, which is adding things or removing things. Yeah, I'd say the three categories are sure. add and remove things. The next one is don't finish everything or finish too early. And the, the third one is last minute fire drill for the team. Right. So, I mean, if you start with adding and removing things, I mean, that's pretty easy, right? I mean, one of them you end up with, you don't have enough in your sprint to get it going, or you have too many things. And I think for this one, it is definitely that you're adding more things because you go, oh, well, we've got this much that we're going to work on. And then you start adding in more stuff at the end of the sprint because you didn't actually have enough refined to begin with. Yeah, add things only because you didn't have enough. Remove things yeah. because too much or adding and removing because you got the wrong stuff or right. something or had to compensate or somebody's bored. Well, right. And I think that actually comes out a lot of times with teams because teams end up, they don't recognize that they have the wrong things in the sprint because they haven't, either they don't have a, a deep enough connection with their stakeholders or they think that this is the work. And then all of a sudden the scope of their work changes so that they have to add and correct. And it's really interesting because we talk about how teams that have what we call churn, where they're bringing stuff in or in, taking stuff out of a sprint, how that can be a bad thing. And it could just be how that team operates. So it, it's not necessarily a bad thing if they're still finishing about the same amount of points in a given sprint, but it just looks weird because your your chart just goes all over the map. I, I would say though that for me, I, I think it's a bit of a bad thing because it doesn't, it means that we haven't really planned appropriately and it's hard to then say we commit regularly to a sprint if we're pulling anything out. Yeah. See, what I would say to that, though, is the teams are necessary, aren't necessarily reflecting uh, sprint goals. It could just be that, they're, that the way that their work sets up is that they have a lot, of, a lot of churn in what they have to get done. And 
that's why I'm not necessarily concerned because it can be, we think this amount of work is going to take this many points and we get about that many points done in a given sprint. And if you end up with a lot more in and out because of the work that happens, you can still explain it upstream to stakeholders. The pot the product can still go to the stakeholders and say, look, because we have more churn going on in this sprint, we're going to get pushed out a sprint. And the stakeholders should recognize that because they're usually the cause of that churn. I'll also say though, an example was where a team looked at the number of points, or looked at their velocity and looked at the points they had in the sprint. And someone said, this is too light. I know it's too light. A number of these things, while they're one pointers, will take me two minutes to knock off. So, you know, if you all agree, we need to add a lot more. The point count went up significantly and they completed it, in, you know, completely. Now, here's a case where they recognized it ahead of time. So there was no in and out during the sprint. They committed to what they had. But a lot of these things that we found in the category of add removed things, don't finish everything, finish too early, or last minute fire drill, point up farther in the chain of problem set where you say, that is also an emergent property of a more fundamental problem. And True. you, you talked yeah. a lot, got ad nauseum before we started this thing about depend, about dependencies. Yeah, no, and, and it's true. I think that's why I always like to look at a second piece of data when it comes to points in a sprint is sometimes I like to look at issue counts because if your issue counts stay stable and you're you're hitting those same numbers every time, that means your your churn kind of is reflective of stable work. Whereas if your issue count in one given sprint is that you're getting 10 things done in a sprint, in the second sprint, you're getting 20 things done per sprint. It, it talks about how many points your items are. So are you getting a lot of big ticket items? Are you getting a lot of small ticket items? How do they all map against each other? So it, again, it goes back to what we talked about at the very beginning, where it's like, it's the questions you need to ask, not how things are always going to be. Yeah, if we're counting things by issue type, and one of the issues is cure cancer, and I finish that, then I'm gonna... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Pretty, pretty happy with that one. Well, I think it also goes back to one of the items that's on this list as well, which is that the estimations are off. And I think that is definitely true for emerging teams. Emerging teams are going to have bad estimations and that's okay. I mean, we had, Patrick and I were doing some work with uh, a team in Bellevue and a team in uh, Vancouver, BC, not that long ago. And we made the point of estimations are just estimations. So many teams think of it as the, oh my God, if we get this wrong, people are going to look at us strange or we're going to get fired or we're going to have it written down on our, our permanent record. And it's like estimation should be recognized as just estimations. So it's not that it's a bad thing that they're off, just recognize that they're off and make an adjustment. Yes. Um, it's interesting that some of these things that you, that cause an impact are related to stakeholders and some of them are related to the internal team. The one that sticks out for me too is chronically over uh, under or over commit, which kind of points to a fear culture. Um, sure. And there's that, you know, and I, some of you may not have ever heard of scheduled chicken, but scheduled chicken is basically um, the program manager. And this is in a more waterfall kind of a case. The program manager is going to know the developers will lie about what they say. So they're going to ask for everything as soon as possible. And the developers knowing that they're going to be asked, for things as soon as possible. We'll go and pad all of their estimates to make sure they have enough time because they know they're gonna to have to negotiate down so they you know, pad everything. 
And so then there's this back and forth and back and forth, which is the scheduled chicken thing of, you have to give it to me by this date so we can remove a little of our padding and eventually get to a point that you could have gotten to if you just said, here's reality. And so, you know, with Agile, we try to strip away a lot of that uh, back and forth by just saying, here's really where we are. And to be able to do that, for example, you have to have a predictable velocity and a believable velocity, one that regularly delivers things of worth. So if you're doing that, then you should have less fear about saying we can't do it because, you know, let's, let's assume the people above understand you can't do it. And then it's a matter of scheduling things appropriately or resourcing things appropriately so you can get it done. Right. So we're actually pivoting to the second section, which is don't finish everything or finish too early. And that is one that's absolutely true. One of the things that's on this list is work not accounted for in sprint planning, right? So I have an example of that where there's a team I was just recently working with where they decided they were going to put every single thing that they do as an item in the backlog. And it was so, it, it was mostly because they were an emergent team and they wanted to make sure that they were tracking everything so they could really have an understanding as to what their capacity was. But to me, it felt like it was, they were going a little too granular where it was, uh, we will have things that we're doing that are tied to something that everyone within the company has to do, right? So the company you're working for may have mandatory training sessions. And so they were actually putting it as an item in the backlog, mandatory training for blah, and they put a point value on it. And they put a point value on it because as part of that, they also had points equals hours. And so we had to have a secondary conversation about how points aren't hours because whose hours are they? So if you want to just say that it's a rough estimate and you're going to call this a three, just so that you could say, you know, three points of our, our team capacity is taken over by mandatory meetings. Cool. That's awesome. But let's make sure that we're not getting too granular in our work because eventually you want to wean off of that and to where it's talking about just the work. I do remember one dev manager walked out of a meeting and he was exasperated and he said, we just spent 45 minutes talking about whether something was going to take half an hour or 15 minutes. And I <laughs> did I, both. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, there was also a developer that worked on one of the teams that we would start arguing about something and about three minutes later he'd go, there, I just fixed it. We can take it off the list. Right. Um, but I do want to say also that um, there was recently a case in which someone wanted to put something in the backlog and give it zero points. And I agreed with it. And the reason was it was a trigger to say we all knew something had happened. We weren't doing the work, but we had to ensure that this was done so the deployment would go correctly. So it was a placeholder to say, we can say the sprint is done when this has occurred, but we're not doing it. So. Mm. That's a case where, where I agreed with, like, it's a zero item task that's actually a dependency on another team, but it's, the, it's necessary to close the sprint. And, and, you know, there's a case where like, yeah, let's do that. See, that's interesting because I would actually counter that. Does it take any time? Yes. Even if that means you're thinking about it and you want to log it as, as a thing you do, I'd actually put a half point on it. But, you know, that's just me. Isn't that interesting? That's probably one of the first times you and I have had a conversation where I took the more granular approach. And you were like, yeah, it depends. I would never say I agreed with you on the statement <laughs> that it depends. We, 
<laughs> and for those of you who are first tuning in, this is a... Oh, go back to the beginning, because it, it talks about how Mark and I talk about it. When dinosaurs roamed the earth, we were still arguing about whether something uh, depends. Exactly. Well, one thing that's on this list is having teams that are uh, secondary to the main function of the team not being included in the sprint plan. And I think that's actually a great topic to talk about in that you need to make sure that all parts of your team are represented when you're doing an estimate, right? Yeah, well, I can argue that I don't have to have people from other teams in some of our estimates. If, no. if we requested ahead of time, you know, like here's, here's what we need from you and we're gonna need it by approximately this time, and they generally deliver, so then we can do our sprint planning with some level of trust with them, right? We right. had kind of a three-tiered approach at one point, which is one of the teams went and did the interface, but they were dependent periodically on some of the um, widgets that were created you know, by another team, which was dependent on UX deciding what the widget was gonna look like. So to be able to make a request, you'd have to go back in your, in your planning about four sprints, five sprints, to be able to say, at this point, we'll need this, and they'll have to have this by this point, which means they'll have to have started this. And then we could make the request upstream so that it flowed down to the point where we could deliver when we said we were going to. Because right. our requests required tracking back through a couple of teams. Um, we're pretty good at that, actually. So what's so funny is that we've got about less than a minute left to talk about the last one, which is last minute fire drills for the team. So <laughs> I think that's hilarious. Oh, did you plan that? I didn't, but so it's the irony the, uh, in a lot of it ties back to when you look at the list. And you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to post this list on fasterthanastamp.com just as an item for people to look through, is that you're not including other parts of your team. You're not including other functions that your team may interact with. Uh, bad planning, uh, people not protecting the team. And that's super awesome because product owners and scrum masters should be working to say no to stakeholders and stakeholders should respect that. And so I think that goes back to all the values that we've talked about and making sure that you are taking care of everyone on your team. And the last, a, no, sorry, a, Mark. I have a slight revision of that. I yep. used to say you, you say no to stakeholders and I, and I don't say that anymore. I say not yet because sure. Because if they put it in the backlog, they have a desire for it. But based on our ability to deliver and their willingness to come up with new stuff, they may decide at some point they don't need it anyway and it just naturally falls off. Right, well, I, I think the pivot of that is that it's not necessarily no, it's a what would you like to do instead? What would you like to remove instead? And were, you if, about, were you about to say, what do you want to do today? Because that would, that would really okay. be it. No, <laughs> no, it wasn't. Well, that's a perfect place for us to stop. I'm Brent. I'm Mark. And that was Faster Than Stand-Up. Until the next iteration, you can give us a rating at your podcast provider, shoot us an email at info at fasterthanastandup.com, or find us on Twitter at Faster Stand-Up. Thanks for listening. And that was Faster Than Stand-Up. <laughs> <laughs>